Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 388 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think could be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, we are going to be talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And if you have money in Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, kind of meeting with the theme of the week, right? You have taken quite the bath lately uh, in your losses, right? Uh, so I want to talk about uh, the drivers of these losses. I want to talk about how we should think about crypto and then do a little looking back uh, as to when I originally talked about crypto on this show and uh, whether or not my feelings have changed, whether or not my thoughts have changed. And uh, you would be surprised at how consistent I'm going to stay uh, on this particular topic if you haven't heard me talk about it before. So stick around for a discussion of all that and more in today's episode. Before we get started though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan. Naturally, get supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions. And you and I can begin working together, pushing towards your long-term financial goals and ultimately pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single individual who's watching or listening to this show on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, let me take you back just for a second, right? I, I'm going to take you back to a couple places in this episode, but let me just take you back first and foremost to the beginning of the pandemic, right? I'm going to take you back to March, uh, let's say March 20th of 2020. Anybody want to guess what Bitcoin's price was March 20th of 2020? I bet you way overshoot it, right? Bitcoin's price March 20th of 2020 was six thousand one hundred and ninety-eight dollars and seventy-eight cents per Bitcoin. Okay, uh, today, well, um, let's just go uh, to the end of this past week, right? So we'll say January twenty-first, right? What did Bitcoin close at? Uh, Bitcoin closed at a four hundred and sixty-five point seven six percent gain from that March twenty twenty. Um, price and it was at thirty five thousand seventy and ten cents per Bitcoin, right? So an extreme gain to the upside from uh, where we began the pandemic at. Now, is this me being a major proponent of Bitcoin? Not necessarily, right? But I, I want you to to remember that. I want you to remember what that has looked like, what those gains have been. Remember, four hundred and sixty five uh, percent in less than two years. Right, but I also want us to look. Why not? Right at the S and P five hundred over that time. Right, so if we go back again, was what did I say March twentieth of twenty twenty, right, and we go to Friday's close on the S and P five hundred, up ninety point eight one percent. Right, uh, so still fantastic returns in less than two years uh, from those dates. Now, um, obviously, Bitcoin has well outpaced the S and P five hundred. But let's look at another date, right? And I want that date to be, and you'll be like, why did you pick this date? But you'll, you'll find out soon enough, okay? Let's look at the date of April 2nd, 2021, right? So if you go from April 2nd, 2021 to 
Friday's close in Bitcoin, that would be down 38.2%, okay, Bitcoin over that time, right? From April 2nd, 2021 to January 21st of 2022, okay? Well, then again, what about the S&P 500, right, over that exact same time period? So from April 2nd, well, here I'm only able to go April 1st, but that'll be extremely close regardless. The S&P 500 is up 9.41%. So down 38 for Bitcoin, up 9.1% on the S&P. And you may say, well, why'd you pick those arbitrary dates? Well, one was the beginning of the pandemic, and uh, you knew that all the speculative assets blew up uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, Bitcoin being, being one of which, right? Um, and then the other date uh, is a little more interesting. And that other date uh, was the first episode that I did on cryptocurrency on this show, right? It was April 2nd of 2021, okay? And by now I've got, uh, let's see, uh, whether it's crypto or Bitcoin or whatever, what, one, two, three, four, five, I've got six episodes on it now, right? But that was my first, April 2nd of 2021. And since then, Bitcoin's down over 38%. And um, it's going to make you go, well, dang, you did an episode and Bitcoin fell. No, that, I'm not doing any type of causality here. I'm just saying uh, that Bitcoin's down, you know, in big bear crash type territory since then. But the S&P 500 since then is up 9 plus percent. And you guys know how much I am a long-term buyer of the S&P 500 index, right? So is this me saying, put no money in Bitcoin, only put money uh, in the S&P? Not necessarily, right? But it's me reminding you of this. And this is what I want uh, kind of the theme of today to be, because I'm going to talk about um, you know, what's been going on in Bitcoin recently, uh, why we've seen prices do what they're doing. Uh, but what I want you to remember is that Bitcoin is a speculative asset. Crypto is speculative, right? Cryptocurrencies are speculative assets, Okay. Uh, the S&P 500 is not a speculative asset, right? Owning an, uh, an S&P 500 ETF uh, or index fund is not speculative, right? That is investment. If um, you, know, you do your analysis, you understand what you're investing in, and you continuously buy and invest over a long period of time, that is an investment, right? Uh, now, does that mean it's going to always make better returns than cryptocurrency? Absolutely not, right? But speculative assets are known to you know, ebb and flow and make great returns some point and lower returns at others, right? So even uh, me telling you these things, right? Uh, telling you these dates and these prices, you may go, oh, well, I bet over the last year, Bitcoin's still done better than the S&P 500. Well, think again, over the past year, the S&P 500 uh, is up over 14%, whereas Bitcoin is up only 10%. And you go, wow, well, that's crazy. But Bitcoin over that time has uh, you know, had some major, major swings, right? Uh, from, you know, below 30,000 uh, to, you know, over 67, 68,000, right? And then now we're back uh, in the low 30s, mid 30s uh, again, right? So this has been quite substantial in the way that it has, um, you know, fluctuated. The S&P 500, on the other hand, you look at a one-year chart, I mean, other than recently, it's been basically a straight up to the right kind of chart, right? Just a very slow, gradual growth uh, with tiny bumps in the road along the way, right? But you have made more predictable returns. The Bitcoin, uh, it looks like it's like two big humps, right? Over the course of the year, right? It's just a big, 
um, you know, mountainous chart for a year. And it's not necessarily an asset that looks like it has any type of uh, sustainability or predictability as something that you should invest in consistently over a long period of time. Now, that's not me saying that you put no money in Bitcoin or you put no money in crypto. I put money into Bitcoin. I put money into crypto. But do I invest in them? No. I speculate, right? And that should be your thought process as well. So let me remind you, right? Investment uh, versus speculation, right? Because we get this uh, confused uh, all the time, right? We get confused as to exactly what uh, investing is. And we call everything that we put money in uh, investing. And I, I think that's a problem, right? I think it's a problem to say that everything that we buy is investing. It's not. I used a security analysis definition written in 1934 by Ben Graham and David Dodd, right? Uh, ben Graham was, uh, you know, Warren Buffett's teacher, right? So I, I put a lot of uh, you know, clout behind his name. And this is what they said. An investment operation is one which upon thorough analysis promises safety of principle and a satisfactory return, right? And I say this all the time about Bitcoin or other cryptos, right? How do you do a thorough analysis? And maybe you can, but how? Does it promise you safety of principle? No, it doesn't. Does it promise you a satisfactory return? No, it doesn't, right? So it's not an investment. Anything that's not an investment is speculative, right? Uh, so we can take that and we go, okay, well, Bitcoin, other cryptos, they are speculative assets, right? And what do I say about speculative assets? I say, don't put any more than five to 10% of your net worth in speculative assets, right? Uh, now, again, does that mean own none? No, but it means five to 10% of your net worth. And if you have less than $10,000 invested, I would not have any speculative assets because that would be just you know too much dollar value wise uh, in your life, okay? Now, let's talk about what's been going on. So there's a Bloomberg article that came out that says crypto crash erases more than $1 trillion in market value, right? Uh, so for Bitcoin, there's only been one constant reality recently, right? And it's been decline after decline after decline and the superlatives have piled up quite quickly. With the Federal Reserve intending to withdraw stimulus from the market, riskier assets uh, the world over have suffered. Bitcoin, the largest digital asset, lost more than 12% last Friday and dropped below, below 36,000 to its lowest level since July. Right? Since its peak in November, it's lost over 45% of its value. Other digital currencies have suffered just as much, if not more, with ETH with Ether and other meme coins mired in similar drawdowns, right? So there's been quite the drawdown for Bitcoin and other um, other cryptocurrencies. You go from uh, the November 8th of 2021 top uh, to this past Friday, and you see Bitcoin's down 46.1%, right? I mean, Bitcoin went from, I mean, in a matter of, what, nine days, went from 43,921 uh, to... Uh, whatever it closed at uh, January 21st. What was that? 35,070, right? Uh, so a very staunch drop in just a very short period of time. Again, just the volatility of these assets is uh, outstanding. But nonetheless, right, uh, we continue. Now, Bitcoin's decline has wiped out more than $600 billion in market value since November, and over a trillion has been lost from the aggregate crypto market. While there have been much larger percentage drawdowns for both Bitcoin and the aggregate market, uh, this marks the second largest ever decline in dollar terms for both, uh, according to Bespoke uh, Investment Group. 
right? It gives an idea of the scale of the value destruction that uh, percentage declines can mask, right? Uh, crypto is, of course, vulnerable to these sorts of sell-offs, giving its natural given it's naturally higher volatility historically. But given how large market caps have gotten, the volatility is worth thinking about both in raw dollar terms as well as in percentage terms. And this is very true, right? Uh, owning one Bitcoin, you know, however many years ago, five, six years ago, right? Um, and seeing a 50% drop, yeah, that would be, you know, money, right? It'd be like, hey, I lost 50% of my money, sure. But if you own one Bitcoin now and there's a 50% drop, right? Uh, not from today's price, but let's say from November's price, right? Uh, I mean, that was a 30 plus thousand dollar drop in the value of uh, that asset, which is quite substantial, right? Now, with the Fed's intentions uh, rocking both cryptocurrencies and stocks, a dominant theme has emerged in the digital asset space. Cryptos have twisted and turned in nearly exactly the same way as equities have, okay? Which I think is very in interesting, right? Uh, anytime you see uh, speculative assets go down in value, they tend to move in a very similar way. So if you just took over the past, I don't know, month, right, uh, Bitcoin and overlaid it with, again, something like, let's say the NASDAQ, right? Because the NASDAQ has those uh, tech companies, those uh, more speculative uh, type companies, and you just say, okay, let, let's compare the two. So let's say the NASDAQ an overlay with Bitcoin over the past month. And lo and behold, yes, Bitcoin is down substantially more, uh, but the movement of the two is very, very similar, right? Very, very similar in form in how they move, right? Because they're both speculative assets. And when uh, investors decide they're gonna sell off speculative assets, they do so uh, in large swaths, not caring uh, what type of speculative asset it is. Now, crypto is reaching to the same kind of dynamics that are weighing on risk assets globally, right? Um, unfortunately, for some of the mature projects like Bitcoin, uh, there's so much cross-correlation with the crypto uh, asset class that's almost a certainty that it falls, at least temporarily, in a broader sell-off of you know maybe some of the altcoins, which uh, this is how I think of the crypto market, right? I think of Bitcoin as like, the Dow, right? The Dow Jones. And I know this is a crazy thing to think because Bitcoin is way more volatile than uh, the Dow, but this is how I think of it, right? I think of Bitcoin as like uh, the Dow and then I think of like Ethereum as like the S&P 500. And then I think of all the other coins as like collectively like the NASDAQ or uh, like, you know, some tech index, right? In the stock market. And this isn't a perfect example, but um, it is true, let's say in the stock market, right? Uh, when there are failings in like the NASDAQ, you're still seeing drops in the Dow Jones, right? Some of the more large, stable companies are still decreasing in value. Uh, same is true if, you know, Ethereum moves and uh, then Bitcoin moves or if a bunch of the altcoins are getting uh, knocked down, then you'll see movement in Ethereum and Bitcoin in a similar way, right? Because there are intercorrelations with the rest of the asset class. Now, Crypto-centric stocks uh, also dropped on Friday, with Coinbase Global at one point losing nearly 16% and falling to its lowest level since its public debut in the spring of 2021. Now, this is also very interesting. If you look at um, you know Coinbase, which is a public company that um, deals in the buying and selling of cryptocurrencies, if you look at its stock price overlaid with uh, Bitcoin, that's also uh, an interesting comparison because... Um, Coinbase moves very similarly to something like Bitcoin, 
right? Coinbase looks quite similar to Bitcoin in the way uh, that it moves. It's almost, I mean, perfectly overlaid and uh, the losses and the gains are almost perfect to one another as well, which is interesting because, I mean, the buying and the selling have um, associated fees. And so uh, Coinbase is winning, you know, whether people are buying or selling or not. But I guess people assume, you know, hey, if Bitcoin's going up in price, people are more interested in it. They're using Coinbase more, therefore Coinbase should be going up in value. I don't know if it'll always stay this way, but uh, that's at least how it is for now. Now, uh, MicroStrategy tumbled 18% while the SEC said the company can't strip out Bitcoin's wild swings from the unofficial accounting measure it touts to investors, right? So MicroStrategy is also a very large uh, Bitcoin investor. Now, the enterprise software company's uh, pile of Bitcoin has effectively made its shares a proxy for the digital asset. So again, you overlay that uh, with uh, Bitcoin and you, I would suggest you go do this yourself. You can do this on Google Finance. It's what I'm using here, right? Um, and it's very easy, easy to do. You just compare. And if you compare MicroStrategy and Coinbase and Bitcoin, it's almost like you're looking at the same asset uh, three times. It's just three lines that kind of follow each other straight down, especially over the last month. And if you back it up even further, you look at year to date, you know, one year, the movement's still very similar for one year, but it's not, um, you know, as closely tied together as it has been recently. Okay. Now, meanwhile, the Biden administration is preparing to release an initial government-wide strategy for digital assets as soon as next month and task federal agencies with assessing the risks and opportunities that they pose, according to people familiar with the matter. Right. Um, Anthony, I almost say Trenchev, right? I hope I get your name right, Anthony. Uh, Nexo co-founder and managing partner cites Bitcoin's correlation to the tech-heavy NASDAQ 100, which right now uh, is near the highest in a decade. Bitcoin is being battered by a wave of risk-off sentiment uh, for further cues. Keep an eye on traditional markets. Fear and unease among investors is palpable. Right? Take also the correlation between Bitcoin uh, and the ARK Innovation ETF. I've talked about that ETF already uh, this week, but again, you just add that comparison in right, with some of these other things that move along with Bitcoin, and you're not going to be surprised to see that the movement is still very similar. Again, go look at one month, one month of Bitcoin, Coinbase, MicroStrategy, and ARK, uh, A-R-K-K, right, and you overlay them with one another on Google Finance. They are moving in lockstep, basically, with uh, one another, which is super interesting, right? Um, so the ARK ETF fund was a pandemic poster child of speculative risk-taking, uh, the correlation stands at around about 60% year-to-date between it uh, and Bitcoin versus about 14% for the price of gold, uh, according to Katie Stockton, founder and managing partner of Fairlead Strategies. Right? Uh, it's reminding us to categorize Bitcoin and altcoins as risk assets rather than safe havens. Right? I think this is very important and important to understand that these are still speculative assets. Meanwhile, more than 39,000 traders had their positions closed over the past 24 hours. Uh, this is on Friday, with liquidations totaling roughly $874 million, uh, according to data from CoinGlass, a cryptocurrency futures trading and information platform. Uh, though liquidations have spiked, the numbers are relatively muted when compared uh, to previously declined. Though liquidations have spiked, the numbers are relatively muted when compared to previous declines. Bitcoin's one-week skew, uh, which compares the cost of bearish options to bullish ones on Bitcoin, spiked to almost 15% on Wednesday, compared to the average of about 6% in the past seven days. Uh, this flagged a jump in bearish sentiment in line with overall market jitters, 
uh, that have given the current macro uncertainty, right? Uh, so we know this, right? We know that crypto is having a time, right? It, it's it's really, um, you know, been struggling as of late, but as have just about all risky asset classes, right? And when I say risky, I just mean, you know, there's risk associated, right? Risk on assets, stocks, um, you know, cryptocurrencies, you know, all these types of things, they have uh, had a hard time lately. And, and that's okay, right? It happens that things ebb and flow in this way. But even though we've seen Bitcoin specifically go up and down and fluctuate and be volatile, right? To see it in terms of a major market sell-off, I think is, uh, is quite interesting because otherwise, what do we have to compare it to, right? Uh, we can just go back and I guess we can compare it to um, when the stock market crashed in early 2020, right? Uh, but that is so far away from the current Bitcoin price that it's, I mean, it's not even funny. That's just, um, I don't know, it doesn't even seem to seem right, right? It doesn't even seem like uh, that should be an adequate comparison, but uh, we'll try to make the comparison anyway. So if you just go, uh, let's say from January 3rd to March 20th of 2020, right? That's a 15.6% drop in the value of Bitcoin. And if you go to March 13th of 2020, it's a 29.7% drop uh, in the value of Bitcoin. Well, you look over the exact same period of time, again, we'll pull out the S&P 500, right? You look over the exact same period of time with the S&P 500, again, January 3rd. And if you go to March 13th, it's down 16.19% and then down 28.75% to March 20th. Um, so very, very similar. The S&P just lags in the amount of time that it took to get there, right? Crypto got there uh, a bit quicker, but Nonetheless, right, when risk assets are down, crypto's down. And it's not surprising that this is the case. Now, I've told you guys how I feel about crypto before, and I continue to feel that way. Again, it's a speculative asset. It should be part of any speculative, um, you know, portfolio allocations that you, you set forth, right? Uh, but how do I think about Bitcoin? I think this is something that I haven't, um, you know, given you guys uh, in a very straightforward way. How do I go about purchasing Bitcoin, when do I purchase it, how, whatever, right? I'm not gonna tell you how much, right? But I'll give you a, an idea. Again, it, it falls well within the five to 10% max that I put for uh, speculation in my portfolio. And again, that's all speculation you do within your portfolio, not just uh, any specific type of speculation is five to 10%. No, all speculation, five to 10% max in your portfolio, okay? So what I do, uh, is I, I take some fixed dollar amount and every single week I buy Bitcoin and Ethereum every single week, right? Uh, and just plug away, put money away in the same way that I buy the S&P 500 or, the, or that I buy, um, you know, any other index or, uh, you know, certain stocks that, uh, you know, I'm invested individually in, right? Just systematically buying over time, right? That's what I'm doing in crypto. I'm systematically buying over a long period of time. Now, if it goes to zero, will I care? Well, it kind of stink, right? Because, uh, I mean, you still lose quite a bit of money if that happens, right? But um, the reason that I relegate 5 to 10% of my portfolio to speculation, and I suggest that you would do the same if you choose to speculate at all, is that 5 to 10% is not enough 
to say that you lost all your money. And it's not enough to say that that's what ruined your portfolio because that's absolutely not what ruins your portfolio. It's the other 95, you know, 90 to 95% of your assets that run your portfolio. But those can really, uh, the speculative part, can really increase returns over time if you hit on some of the speculative things, right? Can absolutely help your returns. And more than anything, it's kind of fun, right? It's kind of fun to have some of those speculative assets that ebb and flow and uh, that can make you some really good returns. And so, yeah, I put money away systematically. And guess what? Just like I say, putting money away at low prices for the S&P 500 or for um, you know, whatever type of index, you know, when it's down is valuable or whatever stock when it's down is valuable. Same way with Bitcoin, right? Same way with Ethereum. I mean, just think about July of this past year, July of 2021, Bitcoin's price was lower than it is uh, now, right? And if you go from uh, July and you go all the way to uh, early November, I mean, the price increased by 126.9% just from July to November, right? So it's extremely volatile. And from July of 2021 to now, Bitcoin's still up 17.7%, right? Uh, that is quite the uptick. Uh, and we just don't think of it as such because it is Bitcoin, because it is extremely volatile. We expect more of it for some reason. But a 17% increase in you know half of a year is substantial, right? So we have to be thoughtful about this. And um, but that's how I'm going to continue to buy crypto, right? I believe in crypto long term, but I don't believe that it is an investment vehicle, right? So I'm not going to treat it like one. And I will continue putting money away into it. I will continue, you know, just every single week, just putting some in, putting some in, putting some in. And, you know, hopefully you look up one day and, and that's a, um, you know, a, a good portion of my portfolio. Now, something that I'm going to have to work with and look at is, you know, if it does appreciate in value substantially, uh, keeping it within five to ten percent of my portfolio, um, I don't know how I, how I think about that right now. Right? Um, obviously, I think five to ten percent of your um, your contributions for, should for sure uh, you know follow the rule. But uh, let's say crypto increases in value so much that it becomes twenty five percent of my overall portfolio. Um, do you want to take cash off or do you want to continue feeding it? Or do you, I don't know yet, right? Because of course you can just treat that like excess returns. I've talked about this when it comes to rebalancing before too, right? Uh, why uh, sell winners to buy losers, right? Why sell something that's doing well to buy something that's not doing as well, right? That's something hard to reconcile. And especially if uh, I'm treating you know crypto as something that's long-term, just like the rest of my investments. Uh, of course it would be, um, you know, very difficult to just leave it alone if you were going to try to pull that cash out at any point. But if I'm treating it like, you know, I treat my investments, then, you know, crypto is going to be something that I'll probably just let ride, but just keep my contributions at five to 10% of the contributions that I would put into uh, my actual um, long-term appreciating assets, stocks, and um, other portfolio allocations that I may have, ETFs, all these different types of types of things. So um, I think it's important for us, if we are going to take positions in crypto, to have uh, a plan, to have an understanding of what Bitcoin does, of what Ethereum does, of what these altcoins do. Um, they may have more of an effective um, use later on in their life. Uh, as of right now, the, the use case is... Uh, still developing. So maybe that uh, helps it over time. But uh, I think we need to understand that uh, if you want to be in it, be in it. But if you don't want to be in it, don't be in it, right? Uh, and don't let the market sway whether you're going to be in it or not, right? 
Uh, I've taken market declines in Bitcoin. I've taken the market up that 120 something percent in Bitcoin and then all the way back down almost, okay? Um, it's, it's a roller coaster ride, but guess what? If you don't care what happens to the money that you put into it, then you're gonna be fine, right? And you don't have to worry about it. You're not gonna have to get on blood pressure medicine because of Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of these altcoins, right? Now, I stay away from the altcoins just because I, I've heard people talk about it. I, I don't think uh, that many of them are gonna stay around. I, I, um, I think of this a lot like the, the internet bubble, right? Uh, where a lot of the dot-com stocks got absolutely crushed and went to zero. But then there were a few that stuck around and they were the ones that um, had a lot of name recognition and were um, you know, ones that were widely uh, accepted and used like a Bitcoin or an Ethereum. Am I gonna be right? Who knows? Am I gonna be wrong? Who knows? Uh, but what I do know is it's not gonna hurt me one way or the other because I have an investment strategy. I have an investment philosophy uh, and my investment strategy doesn't take into account Bitcoin. It doesn't take into account Ethereum. That's just my speculation. It's just for fun. It's just to see what's ultimately going to happen. And hey, who knows, maybe uh, I benefit quite a bit from it over a long period of time. But time will tell. Uh, but until then, don't think about it as an investment. It is speculation. Uh, and just understand that my position on this is not going to change, especially anytime soon. Um, and I don't think yours uh, should sway far from what I'm thinking here either, because uh, it is not a proven way to build wealth. Uh, even though it may have gotten some people, you know, short-term pops, it's not a proven way to build wealth over a long term. And that's what I'm trying to teach you how to do on this show every single day. So thanks for watching this video. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan. And that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions. And you and I can begin working together, pushing towards your long-term financial goals and ultimately pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single individual who's watching or listening to this show on a day-to-day -day basis. So tune in tomorrow as I continue talking about personal finance topics that I think could be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.